So for our sermon this morning, you have sensed where we're going. Uh, We're in the Ten Commandments, and this morning we come to the Eighth Commandment. The Eighth Commandment. Let me remind you, or if you're just now visiting or hearing uh, this for the first time, every week I feel the need to make very clear that we do not believe, we do not believe that the Ten Commandments are ten ways to save ourselves. That is not what we believe. What we do believe is that the Ten Commandments are what God has given His redeemed people in Exodus chapter 20. And He says, now this is how you represent me in the earth. This is my character, my nature, and my people are to take that character and nature into the earth. And as you and I try to do that, we find each week how miserably we fail to represent that image and that likeness because sin is very real in our hearts. And so the law is perfect and pure, and we are not. But the Scriptures point us to the Lord Jesus, who Himself is the perfect law keeper. He has perfectly fulfilled the law when you and I have only broken it. And each week I've told you that we may come into the church and we might see that, oh, a sermon on thou shalt not kill. Well, I'm not a murderer. This doesn't apply to me. And then we see as the scriptures are explained that, whoa, I am a murderer because I've hated people in my heart. And this morning, as the text is, you shall not steal, some of us could make the mistake of saying, well, well, I've not stolen a thing. I'm clean as a whistle. And I think this morning again, you'll see that we fall far short of that holy standard that God has called us to live according to. Give your attention two passages, Exodus 20 verse 15, and then your bulletin is incorrect. That is not the passage that I'm going to use. And it's incorrect in a second way. It should say Malachi, not Micah. But that passage from Malachi will come up later in the service. But we'll read from Romans 13, verses 8 through 10 as our second passage. Exodus 20, verse 15. You shall not steal. Now Romans 13, verses 8 through 10. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, Love is the fulfillment of the law. Let's pray that the Lord would bless our understanding of his word. Lord, would you take these few minutes as we consider your word, as we seek to rightly apply it to our lives. Lord, would you be our teacher? Would you communicate true things to our sinful hearts and help us to understand and believe the truth of the gospel? And we pray it together in Jesus' name. Amen. So I have a memory that is probably 
I'm going to guess it's about 20 years old. But as a young man, my parents were cleaning out the closet in the house. And they found some old reel-to-reel recordings of a Christmas morning. So audio recordings of a Christmas morning and of opening presents, okay? And the young people are like, well, why audio recordings? Why didn't you just record it on your cell phone, right? Well, there were no video recordings. All we had was audio. And so my dad would sometimes record things on a reel-to-reel audio recorder. That's what his father had done. His father would go out in the pasture and record sounds of birds singing. And then we would listen to them and hear the birds from different areas. But on this reel-to-reel, what I would hear 20 years ago was the recording of a Christmas morning when I had to have been, I don't know, four or five years old. And I have one brother and one sister. I'm the youngest of the three. And I just remember as a 20-something-year-old hearing that recording of when I was a little boy. And it sounded like this. We came into the room to see what presents had been delivered. And they were always in piles. So a pile for Paul and a pile for my brother Rob and a pile for my sister Perry Ann. And the voices on that reel-to-reel recording was mostly my voice, but you could hear my mother saying something like, oh, look, look at this toy. I wonder who it's for. And my little voice would pipe in on the recording and it would say, I think it's mine. And then my mom would go to another pile, obviously, for someone else and say, now look here, I wonder who this is for. And then my little voice would interrupt and pipe in and say, I think it's mine, I think it's mine. And pile after pile, toy after toy, thing after thing, the entire video or audio recording is me continually saying, it's mine, it's mine, I think it's mine. I'm a little embarrassed to have heard that. Nobody taught me how to have a selfish heart. Nobody had to teach me how to think, well, that, I want that. That must be mine. I like that. That must be mine. At the young age of four or five or six, whatever I was, I had a greedy heart. I had a heart that knew when it saw something and it wanted it, I think it must be mine, right? Such is the nature of the human heart. That's my heart, and that's your heart too, And as we come to the Eighth Commandment, we quite literally have the Lord speaking to that kind of heart. The kind of heart that would steal and take and say, I think it's all mine. It's all intended for me, right? That's the nature of the human and fallen heart. I have three short points this morning before I cook barbecue. And the first point is this. The Lord commands that His people not steal the possessions of others. Exodus 20, verse 15, thou shalt not steal. Quite literally it means you are not to take for yourself what belongs to another. And that can sound so simple, right? We tell our children that. They learn that in kindergarten. But that is what the Lord would tell His covenant people Israel. And what they would find, they are indicted for 
in Ezekiel chapter 22. And if you search your own heart, you'll find that you too are indicted, as I am, for breaking the Eighth Commandment. Uh, Just on the news in the past week, you may have seen, as I have, uh, shocking news, video, actual video coverage. I believe it was in San Francisco. So someone filming someone else walking in broad daylight down the streets in San Francisco, smashing car windows open with a hammer and reaching in and taking whatever they wanted and putting it in their own car that someone else was driving. And they would walk from car to car to car, smash the window and take out of it whatever they wanted to. Boldly sinning in broad daylight Stealing, and we see that, and we say, What? That's wrong. You can't do that. And a part of their doing that, apparently, is that the law of the land has changed to say that petty crimes under a certain dollar amount will not be prosecuted. And so some humans hear that, and it breeds a lack of civilization. Well, if I can't go to jail for it, then I think it's mine. I think it's mine. I'm going to take it. Um, I'll take from you to fill my need and what I want because I think I deserve it. And you saw that play out on video. It was shocking. Or maybe a year ago or more when looting was occurring in major cities across America. You remember seeing this video coverage. Swarms of people running into a Target or into a Walmart and taking up televisions, taking out clothes, picking up tennis shoes, anything that they wanted, and walking right out the door and putting in their cars and driving home. And you and I see that and we're like, that's wrong. You can't do that. But for a moment, for some, looting seems fair. And they're going to get theirs because that's how the human heart reasons. That's how the human heart thinks. The nature of Yahweh, the God of the Bible, the God who reveals himself to Israel. If you think about what you've seen and heard throughout Scripture, the nature of our God is one of giving and not taking. He gives generously, he gives abundantly, he fills your cup to overflowing, he prepares a banquet table in front of you, he gives, he gives, he gives. But the nature of the human and sinful heart since Genesis 3 is what? It's to take, it's to grab, it's to grasp. It's to get your own and look out for numero uno. Look out for yourself, right? So this morning, I want you to feel that tension between the holiness of our God and His very nature of being a generous, abundant giver and provider and our posture of being selfish takers who grasp and hold on to and store up in barns where things will rust and corrode and corrupt over time. And throughout Scripture, old and new, he's telling us, your nature is to be transformed into my likeness. And that's the tension of the Christian life. We grew up in a world that says grasp and hold on to. Save, save, save. Hold, hold, hold. And the Lord says, I'm a giver, and I want you to be a giving people. A generous 
giving people who meets not first your own needs, but the needs of your neighbor. The needs of your neighbor. That's the nature of our God. John chapter 10, verse 10, what was our reflection this morning? Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, that they may have life abundantly. That's the nature of Yahweh. That's the nature of God. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, we're told, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So think about what you know about the nature of God. How would you summarize him? It is a giving heart. It is a generous nature. It is loving neighbor over loving self, even to the point of self-sacrifice. That's the nature of our God and why he tells us we're not to steal and take possessions of others. It's counter to his nature. And this law transforms us. It reminds us the nature of God and calls us to become more and more like him. So it's probably not you that's been breaking windows and taking the possessions of others, right? Maybe some of you. Probably not all of you. You're not breaking windows and taking things. But there are implications of what it means to not steal, just like there were implications of what it means to not kill and to not commit adultery. And the scriptures give us some of these examples. Uh, There is stealing through negligence. Exodus chapter 22, uh, verse 5, is an example of that, where we're told, if anyone grazes their livestock in a field or a vineyard and lets them stray, and they graze in someone else's field, by mistake, the offender must make restitution from the best of their own field or vineyard. You hear that nature of God? Look, if if you should, through negligence, let your cattle, your livestock, get into somebody else's produce, then you've got to offer from the best of what you have to make that right. Restitution. That's the nature of God, to make things right. So they're stealing through negligence, and the Scriptures would say you can't do that. There's also stealing through breach of trust. Exodus chapter 22, verse 7, is an example of that. If anyone gives a neighbor silver or goods for safekeeping, and they're stolen from the neighbor's house, the thief, if caught, must pay back double. Okay? You must pay back double. Imagine if all those people who looted Target and Walmart had to give back two TVs, right? it'd probably put an end to a lot of the looting and a lot of the theft. God says that's how his people are. We're to make things right. We're not to leave things hanging in the wrong, but we're to restore things. We're to practice restitution and make things right out of love for our neighbor and for the glory of our God. There's also stealing through unjust gain or what would be called usury. And you heard about that in Ezekiel chapter 22 in what was uh, part of our confession of sin this morning. In you are a people who accept bribes to shed blood. 
You take interest and make a profit from the poor. You extort unjust gain from your neighbors. And in all of this, you have forgotten me, declares the sovereign Lord. The Lord says, look, you don't prey upon the poor. Their hard circumstances for your personal gain. That would be evil. That would be wrong and corrupt. And just now in saying all that, I've, I've thought of an illustration. Uh, a few years ago, I was driving through Anderson, South Carolina. And at that time, we were considering trying to purchase a vehicle for one of our children. And I saw this auto dealership. And I, it looked like they had some decent cars. And the signage out front just convinced me it was the right place to go. It had a big yellow smiley face. And the name of the place mentioned the family. And I thought, okay, well, here's a good wholesome place to go shop for a car for your daughter. So I drive in and I looked at a particular car and a guy came out, as they do, to talk to me. And I said, now, how much is this one? And he said, what do you mean? I said, if, if I were to buy this outright, how much would this be? And he took his sunglasses off and he said, we're not that kind of business. And I said, what do you mean? He said, you don't buy things out right here. You don't know what we do? And I was like, no, I don't know what you do. He went on to explain, you can't pay cash and buy the car outright. They want to get people to pay the down payment and then exorbitant interest for the long haul. And so you could come and try to buy the thing outright. And he's like, we're not interested in your business. Which is to prey upon the poor. To charge that exorbitant interest. And it's all under the disguise of what? That big yellow smiley face and the use of family in the name. Some of you know the place I'm talking about. God's people don't do that. God's people don't prey upon the poor and take advantage of people in their hardship and the chance to quickly attempt to buy something in need like a car. There are implications for not stealing. It's negligence, breach of trust, unjust gain. And there are modern implications that you should attempt to fill in the blanks for yourself. Copyright laws, plagiarism as a kind of theft... Digital theft now, which is a thing. My notes used to say copying CDs and DVDs, but it's beyond that now. That's old technology. Digital theft, theft online. And maybe one we wouldn't naturally think of, but theft of people's time. Maybe your employer's time. Maybe you diddling while on the clock and not getting the work done that you're being paid for. In that way, you're thieving time and money from an employer that would not honor the nature of our God. So there are all kinds of ways that you and I practice thievery. We steal in all kinds of way that fails to image the generous giving nature of our God. And then one more that God very specifically says in his word. And this is from Malachi chapter 3, verses 6 through 9. This is stealing by withholding our tithe that belongs to the Lord. Listen to Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 12. 
the prophet says, the Lord says through the prophet, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you, Lord? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. And there again you see the nature of God in the Bible. I will bless you with abundance. I will provide for you. I will meet your needs. The people will know that I'm meeting your needs. I'll be so good to you. But don't withhold with a stingy, grasping heart the things that the Lord says belong to him. And so there's the indictment. Every one of us, we just tend to be stingy people with grasping hearts that hold on and protect and keep looking out for numero uno, which is us. But God's people and their possessions exist for God's glory and the good of our neighbors. And that's our last point this morning. God's people's possessions exist for God's glory and for the good of our neighbors. Just a couple of applications for all of us to consider. Therefore, you and I are to have a loose grip on earthly things, and we're called to be givers. We're to have a loose grip on the things that God has given us. They're His gifts to us, We're to practice stewardship of those things. And he says, don't have a firm grip on them. Have a loose grip. In this life, are you grasping things loosely? Or are you holding fast to them as if they are yours forever? That's a hard question. Robert Murray McShane has a quote that I'll highlight. And he says this. I fear there are many hearing me. Who know well that they are not Christians because they do not love to give. To give largely and liberally, not grudgingly at all, requires a new heart. An old heart would rather part with its lifeblood than its money. Oh, my friends, enjoy your money. Make the most of it. Give none of it away. And enjoy it quickly, for I can tell you, you will be beggars throughout eternity. Well, that's a hard quote. That's a little uncomfortable to read and to think about, isn't it? There's something about God and His people that are able to hold possessions with a loose grip. And it takes a new heart for that to be true. It takes the Holy Spirit to be at work in a people that they would even have categories to talk about giving money away, giving possessions, giving time, giving energy and effort for the good and for the love of a neighbor. That's what God is doing in his church. 
He's calling a people to be those kinds of people in the earth. We're to be generous givers of the things God has made us stewards of for a short time. Therefore, we need to be content with whatever we do have, which is to say no grumbling. You can't look at your neighbor and grumble against God and say, well, I wish I had what they had. Why can't I have that? God's given you what you have and the capacity to make or create more, and those are good gifts. But we can't grumble with our calling and our gifts against God. Thirdly, we need to be a people who tithe to the Lord. We give to the Lord generously. We don't hold on to things as if they're our own. Malachi reminds us of that. And then fourthly, we're to be generous and cheerful in our giving and in our hospitality of others, our neighbors. So let me highlight here again maybe what can maybe be our vision for the barbecue hymn sing. You know, there's a couple of ways that this barbecue hymn sing could play out. We could do it just for ourselves and not invite anybody. There'd be more meat for us, right? Forget our neighbors, forget inviting people. We could just throw a big party within the church and just feed ourselves. I actually was in a church one time that uh, was preparing to have a covered dish supper. And, I, and I, I understand that the internal conversation was, well, don't make the announcement this week because college students will be there. And we don't want them to eat all the food. And I heard that and I thought, hmm, there's something not right about that. We're to have generous giving hearts. So this barbecue hymn sing, we could play this out any number of ways. The biblical way, I think, to be generous. To spread a table that is abundant. That invites neighbors, that welcomes and invites anybody who will come. Just come, enjoy, come and see, come and be with God's people, come and hear truth. It's a simple vision for a church event, but I think it's a biblical vision. Let's be generous. Let's not do hot dogs this time. Nope. Let's not do hot dogs. Let's do barbecue. Let's celebrate the Lord's goodness. Let's give thanks for His provision. Let's maybe model to the larger community what the church can be and should look like in celebrating and enjoying His gifts and His goodness. Practicing hospitality with generous, glad, and sincere hearts. And then lastly, above it all, in everything we've said and everything we do, it's all to be for the glory of God. It's always true. Everything that we do is to be done for the glory of God. We have a loose grip on things in this life because we're trying to grip the glory of God, honoring Him with the things that we do. The ultimate question is, what are you grasping for? What are you trying to hold on to that you know is not eternal? The things of this life, even our life and health itself, we can try to grasp onto those things as if we'll always be 28 years old, right? It's not true. We hold a loose grasp on everything. Okay, last week I gave you the illustration of how to kill an Arctic wolf. I got a few messages about that during the week. 
So this week, how to trap a monkey in the jungle. Now, I don't know if this is true or not, but I heard this illustration when I was a child and I've never forgotten it. And there's a beautiful kernel of truth to it. But the story goes, the way that you catch a monkey in the jungle is that you do this. You take an old gourd, a hard gourd, like you would see around here in the fall, and you cut a small hole in it and take any contents out so that it's empty. And then in that small hole, you would feed a banana and just put a banana in the gourd hole. Then you would fasten and secure that gourd to a large tree so that it can't move. And the story goes that the monkey will smell the fruit. He'll come in, he'll see the banana in the small hole. But the hole is just big enough for his hand to slide in. And once he grabs the fruit and makes a fist, his fist is too big to come back out of the hole. And I'm told that the monkey will never let go of the fruit. He grasps, he holds, he wants, but he can't get his hand back out. And then you come along and bonk it on the head. That's what I'm told. I don't know if this is true. My question is this. What are you grasping and holding on to in such a way that you will not be happy without it? And you're actually miserably trapped because of it. Is it love of money, love of possessions, pursuit of something in this life, trying to attain something that God does not have in store for you? You see, we're called to have loose grip on everything in this life. We have grasping hearts, called to have loose grips. Only the Holy Spirit can change that and make it true of us. Let's pray that he would do that thing. Oh Lord, would you enlarge our hearts to make us more generous in our giving, more loving of our neighbors, more caring of your church and its work in this world. Would you transform that grasping nature that every one of us has? Make us willing to offer and give and serve others in a way that is humanly outside of our nature. But would you do it by giving us new hearts? New hearts that seek to live for the glory of our God who has redeemed us. And we ask this and we pray it together in Jesus' name. Amen.